1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Scotland's women crash out of the World Cup after squandering a three-goal lead to Argentina in a game that wasn't short of controversy. Michael Lustig calls time on his Celtic career after seven and a half years and new Kilmarnock boss Angelo Alessio says he's ready to build on Steve Clark's rugby park legacy. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight is Alex Ray. Yeah, Andrew, absolutely. Some of the interesting stuff coming out. Nicky Hammond that May well go in as a director of football uh, for a short term. Uh, we'll, we'll be speaking about Scotland as well last night, obviously going out. And uh, obviously Gresda not making the, the Rangers squad to go to Portugal. So plenty of things to discuss. Yeah, as you said, lots to talk about. We're going to start with that Scotland game last night. Yeah. So 0141 951 1025 if you've got any opinions on it because there is plenty. I don't, I don't even know where to start, Alex, to be honest, because yeah. it started off so well for Scotland and then... It just felt like typical Scotland after a while. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say, it was really encouraging. Uh, I took uh, the time out last night to watch the full game. Uh, I thought they started the game brilliantly. And they showed intent, Andrew, all being, you know, if you take the first couple of games that were up against different opposition. Uh, and I thought they really took the game. And, you know, I think Erin uh, Cuthbert was absolutely magnificent. I, I just love her ap- appetite for the game, her attitude, her desire. She's questioning the referee, you know, one so young as well. So she's got plenty of good years ahead of her. I think the introduction also last night of uh, Leanne Crichton, middle of the park, gave him a wee bit more kind of power uh, within that area. And I think it worked brilliantly up until, what, the last 18 minutes or so. And then the wheels come off uh, totally and spectacularly. And then when you look at the actual kind of shenanigans with VAR, um, the referee didn't know what she was doing, actually. She was all over the place. The, the length of time that it took for her to make the decision. Uh, and for me, it was a penalty. I don't think there was any debate about that. And I think when you look at the actual VAR, uh, they got that right. But the time it took to come up with a simple uh, decision and then the, the, the added time that she didn't include, you know, I think the referee had actually lost the plot at that stage. But I think when Shelley Kerr looks back, she'll be absolutely devastated to have lost three goals in the last 20 minutes. Because that was it. Scotland went 3 0 up. It was goals from Kim Little, Jen Beatty, and Aaron Cuthbert. But. Yeah. Two goals then conceded and then all of a sudden it was it was VAR that, that took over. As you said, the, there was the penalty. But then even after that, the, the penalty was given. It seemed to take an absolute yeah. age for the penalty to be given. And then all of a sudden it was elation when Lee Alexander saved the penalty. All of a sudden the referee's then doing the, the VAR yes, it's movement with her hands yeah. and it's going to be repeated. Well, and they'd had a look at it and it, it was just a case of... It was just madness from yeah. from about seventy four minutes onwards. Yeah, I think I think uh, the, the the manner with the lost the goals used to have been a lot more kind of uh, re- resolute, dogged, and and just seen the game out, managed the game, and I think that's uh, things that they can take forward get into the next campaigns because they have to learn from this. It's, it's a it's a work in progress. It's the first time they've got to a major championship for the women's team, and they will look at that, they'll assess it, and. Even Shelley Kerr probably be looking at this and going, you know, within that position, we have to see out this game. What do we do to improve that? And then I think obviously the talking points will be the penalty. And you're absolutely right. Now, I think VR is a very good thing. I think if they can get the decisions right, and it was a penalty, there's no two ways about it. The referee played on, got it wrong, had a look at the VR. It was a clear penalty, brought it back. So, I mean, looking at that, that's exactly what VAR is meant to do. Absolutely. And looking at that, it's fine. And then yep. it doesn't go to plan. No, well, it's interesting because from the the resulting uh, retake, they obviously scored and uh, then it eliminated Scotland. But 
It's a talking point again This is very early in its stages VR But I think if you take the English Premiership next year That incident will not happen Andrew The referee will make a call If the ref- if the goalkeeper has encroached And gained an advantage But they will not review VAR again So if it ever does come back into Scotland Hopefully we don't go down the road That they did last night Because that's a shambles For me she's maybe nicked her foot uh, and but these rules have been in place for a long, long time. You're not supposed to, you know, you're supposed to stay in your line. But you know, there's always that kind of like margin, you know, to encroach maybe a couple of yard, uh, a couple of inches rather. Um, but for me, it just makes it an absolute mockery because it was a perfectly good save. Yeah, because the well, the rule is when the ball is yeah. kicked, the defending goalkeeper must have at least part of one foot touching or in line with the goal line. But the problem really here isn't VAR. Yeah. It's the way it's implemented. The rule is implemented with VAR because VAR really is there to to spot sort of clear and, and obvious errors yeah. by the referee. And you know, is it a clear and obvious error when the goalkeeper is you know mere centimeters off her line? I think if you're going to scrutinise it there, Andrew, then you're taking away all sorts of doubt. Uh, you know, there were people out there going, "Well, it's actually within the laws," and that's the reason why they're going to look at it. But every single time you take a penalty, the goalkeeper will be booked because naturally they go forward. You know, and to try and keep one foot on that line and then spring to either side, it's not, it's not even impossible. So I, I think that's one of the good things that the English Premiership are going to implement next year, that that will not come into play because it'd be a shambles. Every time there's a penalty, you'd be a goalkeeper boot. And if he does it again, he runs the risk of being sent off. So uh, I think that's a sensible idea. I, I absolutely agree with you in terms of penalties, offside, key decisions, uh, dangerous play. They may well review that. So... I think three or four things that actually could make a big difference. But we're on this programme week after week having a go at referees. If that stuff was cleared up, it would help referees as well. So I think it's going to move the game in the right direction. But obviously last night was a shambles. Well, we want to hear from you. 0141-951-1025. Willie is in Easter House. Willie, what did you make of it last night? Oh, total fiasco. What a mess that was. That's it. That's come for a cup down with ten penalty kicks. Take the to take ten penalty kicks. Good. Review it again. Oh, wait a minute. The goalkeeper would need to take it again. He'd take it again. And as you just said, there are two yellow cards and the keeper's off. Aye. <laughs> That's a total fiasco. Scotland never got a VR decision for them, but against them three times. Well, it's a penalty against. It's a penalty against Japan. Well, he can ask you a question. See, in terms yeah. of the actual decision that the referee got wrong initially when Argentina player knocked it past the Scotland defender, uh, did you think, uh, when they look back, you think that's a penalty? Again, well, I've seen the referee we've been playing on the start, it's all good. We've got away with it now, we'll wait a minute, we have started, and they said, you've got to retake it again, that's a load of nonsense. We've done the same with France, we've just got to score a goal and that's it. We've done the same with the France game, she must have penalty kicked, we take it again. And they played eight minutes extra time in the France game versus some uh, Nigeria. But if he played eight minutes extra, what is that nonsense? Well, I, I, what I do know is there was no, I don't think there was any added time last night. It was uh, very minimal. No, uh, and when you consider the time that it took to actually come to the decision, I think the referee exactly. got caught up with the whole thing as well. She lost the whole perspective of what was going on. There was another strange incident as well where uh, they, they were Brad allowed to take a free kick when Brad. Scotland were still. Making a substitution as well, yeah, which is something I, I don't think I, I've ever seen before. No, and absolutely right. I think the, the Scotland uh, technical team were saying that that they didn't have their quarter on the pitch when they when they scored. And 
when you look at all these things, you know, you have to polish up that. That has to be perfect, particularly at that level. If you're going to a World Cup and you're making basic errors like that, you know, the referee will be sitting there devastated about the actual mistakes that she made. But all being that the actual uh, penalty retake was the one that, you know, kind of put the, put the nail in the coffin. But when you look at where Scotland were, they've got to see that game out. I don't, you know, you can look at VR all you want, but the actual manner in which they collapsed was really poor. <laughs> These things happen, these things happen. We three up and lose three goals. These things happen, it's part of the game. But that's the thing they have to do, though. If they're going to learn and they're going to progress and they're going to move forward, they do have to see it out. There's not many teams at international level lose a 3 0 lead. And it's a case of trying to see that through. Then they may well have progressed into the last 16. I think that's an important way to look at it as well is that we don't want the nation using this as an excuse. Yeah. Because it happened at the end of the game Scotland had already conceded two goals It was in a major tournament It was massive spotlight on Scotland But yeah. you can't just blame other things If you want to improve and you want to get better Scotland had already conceded two goals yeah. They did blow a, a three goal lead Which is something they'll need to look at Absolutely, I said Shelley Kerr You know, the, the substitution taking the right back off as well At that stage, you know, you think to yourself would that Was that the right decision? Because... Uh, yeah, I would think that was a girl who conceded the third penalty wasn't it so yeah I think she was late in the tackle probably not up to speed and she's just dived in when she has to stay in her feet yeah, in Sophie Howard yeah Sophie yeah so the, it, it's a body blow for everyone but you know I think you know when you consider they've got the nation uh, interested in women's football the ramification for that is you'll have young girls out there all uh, I listened to Erin Cuthbert speak on the SFA website afterwards and she was absolutely brilliant she was near to tears she says, I'm fulfilling a dream here. Uh, and she's so young. And she can be a flag bearer for the, for the country, for, uh, for females to follow, because she's an inspiration. Thank you to Willie in Easter House. Hugh in Bears Den is up next. Hugh, did you watch the game last night? I did indeed. I was very impressed. Uh, uh, women's football's come a long way in the last 10, 20 years. I was very impressed with it. going to ask you about VAR, boys. Yep. Who, who eventually decides that VAR should be looked at? Because it seemed that the referee was probably uh, giving a message through their, their head speaker or whatever and to go. And if the penalty was scored right away, would they have done it retake? Well, in, in terms of your, your initial question, well, I would imagine it would be the people within the... Because it would have to come from... Because it's it comes under certain criteria, you know, if it's like an offside, if it's a goal line, if it's a penalty, then I think they then look at that to see if there's any infringement or there's anything that they've missed. They will quickly review that and it'll come through the earpiece to the referee. You may well. So is that is, is that from the panel you see with the television screens? Yeah, the pa- the panel then flag up to the referee that they think there is a, an incident that needs reviewed, and then at that point. The referee can either take the advice of the panel and give the decision, or the referee can listen to them and go over and watch it themselves and so, sort of make the decision together. So that substitute the panel wouldn't have seen it then. You know, the, the sort of you, you can't just uh, cherry pick certain things. No, no, no. Uh, Scotland were saying nothing up; they should have won it. Another question I'll ask you, boys: Why is the women's and men's football pitches the same in goals? Considering that in golf, the, the women have a shorter tee or, or shorter to play and also Wimbledon to play the best of three sets No, it's an interesting point well uh, uh, Hugh that come on uh, uh, I was chatting to some of the boys today about that and they were saying if they could maybe bring the pitch in a little bit um, you know I think it was uh, I was talking to somebody who was talking to an English Premier League player today that's what it was and he was mentioning well, if they brought it in maybe brought the goals a little bit because the keepers are not 6-4 um, no they're not and, and so I take your point on board you may well get it but 
You know the technical side of things may well thrive more as well uh, Physically they're probably not at the same uh, physicality as the men So it's, it's actually a good point But if you maybe speak to people from the women's side They feel as if they, they can actually cope with that And they're happy to go along nine lines Hugh you said football Oh on you go Hugh Maybe have a two foot line on the goalpost <laughs> So you can stand in it Well Hugh you were saying that You know <laughs> women's football's come a long way You feel it has when, Absolutely When you look at Scotland having been to the World Cup now Do you hope that that's a legacy that continues And people continue to, to go out and support the, the women's national team As well as the men's team Well look at the crowd Last night was not nearly 30,000 Yeah I think it was 28,000 that's, that's, I mean does the Scotland men team get that? You know, you know it's, uh, To me, yeah, it's come a long way I mean, when I talk to some American folks it's, You know, soccer is uh, the girls' sport But I think that they've come Women have come a really long way it's, You know, it's, I thought, well, I'll watch it all or not And I'm watching, I thought, they're really good I mean, I'm impressed What about I, yourselves, boys? Do you I, think it's good? Hugh, I actually watched it last night And uh, there's, there's times that I've kind of sat down Watched periods of it But last night I made a conscious effort Because I knew the importance of If they could get a positive result So I watched it from start to finish And, and I started downstairs Once I went to half time I were upstairs to the to where my wife and two kids were sat And I'm going, we need to watch this So we were all around watching it as a family So I think that's the idea of all this Because it's actually taking it to your kids Because they are the next generation And uh, they absolutely loved it They were devastated And then when obviously uh, The Scotland goalkeeper Alexander Made the save We were all jumping about And, going, and then the next minute You see the referee Making the signal As if she wants to review it again I'm thinking This is a carry on And uh, it was the disappointment Was there for everyone to see And it was the same in my house So it is most certainly Making an impact Well thank you to Hugh In Bears Den Why don't we get a different Perspective from this Tommy is in Greenock Tommy I believe you're a referee I am I'm a referee in the amateur and the youth ranks um, And I think it's going to be An absolute nightmare for us guys yeah, Absolute nightmare Because you'll get scrutinised Every penalty We send the mere goalkeepers off and off Because they'll just all be standing there Waiting to see if he's moved off his line And it's going to be an absolute nightmare for us Tommy, see, Can I just also say something like, Sorry mate, why you go I, Tommy No, I down the women's team But uh, the manager's going to have that responsibility I mean you're free nothing up 20 minutes to go you take off your two front men and, and flood the midfield in defence. No, I mean you shut the game down. You don't keep going for mere goals. Yeah, well, listen on on your first point, Tommy. I think I think uh, having spoken to people today about the way the English Premiership is going to go about this with VAR, VAR is that they are uh, they are not going to do what was implemented last night. They are going to look at it. The referee will make the call. There will not be any more review on the back of whether someone's encroached towards the ball. That ultimately just comes down to the referee. And, uh, and his linesman uh, Who will be looking along the line To see if he's actually moved forward Three, four and yards you know, you know yourself Here in the amateur In the junior game You don't have linesmen It's just <laughs> the referee And every manager Every player Will be stoned and watching that goalkeeper Oh no And, and listen if, if, they... it moves, if it moves half a thick you know, You're going to get slaughtered <laughs> Listen I hope you're getting paid a few quid Tommy Because it'll be an absolute nightmare Listen, listen you, you, could, you See the thing is you Maybe you want to speak to them The two managers prior to kick off And just saying Listen I'll do my best to get. I know it's very difficult, and I know somebody will be upset. But it's, it's listen, it's hard, isn't it? It's, it? That's the thing is because you're trying to do it to the letter of the law, to the best of your ability. But again, see what you're saying about the amateur. See down in English Aye. Premiership. Do you not know, think that people have gone? Oh, he encroached. Oh, they will. You know, I mean, even at the top level, it'll be trial with Sky Television, wouldn't it? You know yeah, what I mean? Oh, he's moved an inch. No, listen, listen. We get it every week, Tommy. You know, with the, with the panel and uh, the BBC and. 
you know, it's like agendas and everything's going on and it's just all madness. And these these laws and the change in the laws are actually making it more and more difficult all the while. Uh, I, I believe um, VAR does help. And uh, as an example, the penalty last night, uh, Tommy, where the referee called it wrong initially. When you've seen the replay, uh, that's exactly why it's there. You know, that's so right. that's it working in its purity. That's what you see yourself. That's why it's there. However, when you see her taking five minutes and then not adding it on, then I think that's more a refereeing issue right. rather than, you know, the actual system. I agree with you. What I would think, what you, what you could do, I mean, because it's, it's really hard for a goalkeeper not to move. I mean, if you're starting static still, there's no way you're going to save a ball. So mm. what they could maybe do is, I know I sound mad, have another <laughs> line, maybe about three or four foot after the goal line, and say you can't go beyond that, that's, that's your limit. And then well, that space to move about in, you know? I'm just trying to think of ways it could possibly work because if 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 it's going to be that scrutinised, you'd maybe have to start two feet in f- behind the line, Tommy. And then your natural one would be to go forward to the line and then choose your side. You know, like spring forward two feet, three feet, and then spring to your left or right, uh, depending on where you're going to go. But that's the only way I can see it working because naturally your, your instinct is to go forward. You don't dive... <laughs> You know, a goalkeeper goes to to go and meet the ball is it is a forward motion. So uh, for me, it'll be an absolute shambles. Well, thank you to Tommy in Greenock. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. If you want to get involved, Alex, you've given me the absolute fear here to think what this phone is going to be like oh, if no, VAR is no. implemented in Scotland. Well, do, I actually, I actually think VAR should be implemented. You know, I'm not exactly sure when it's going to come in, and you know, having spoken to people within the television industry, uh, there's certain packages you can take. Uh, Andrew so you don't have to go with the one at the English Premiership where they've got maybe 25 cameras all looking in the right angles you can maybe kind of reduce that which will reduce the cost and then you as a governing body the SFA would then implement how they're going to apply the VAR rules as such you know as long as they're in in tune with the, the governing body UEFA and FIFA but you don't have to put that goaling one in so you maybe do offside penalties goal scoring so there may be three or four criterias which they review a certain instant. 0141-951-1025 on the phones. We'll be talking about Mikael Lustig leaving Celtic after the travel with Ali. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Compensation. They know the score. Talk to Thompson's.com. Alex Ray here with me, Andrew McLean, on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. We were just... Well, trying to dissect that yes. Scotland against Argentina game last night in the, in the last hour Shelley Kerr has actually tweeted out saying as the leader I'm responsible for the good the bad and the indifferent I know my team I know the players and yes we will learn I'm proud of everyone part of this squad we share the frustration disappointment and heartache but in time we will be stronger on reflection and the journey has been challenging and incredible we appreciate all the support and the critique we will continue to inspire a nice message there from Shelley Kerr absolutely uh, nice and positive as well you know they, they have to learn because as I said 3-0 up you have to see that game out but the positives when you are seeing the Tartan Army all over Paris and, and, and the other venues uh, you are encouraged you see young kids uh, families and uh, they should they, are, they should be proud of themselves and uh you know, they can reflect, come back and then try and go again. Moving on to club football and the news that came out after the show last night is that Mikael Lustig has called time on his Celtic career as he announced his departure after seven and a half years at the club. His contract, of course, expired at the end of the season and at the age of 32, he's taken the decision to make a move elsewhere. It looks as if it will be Ghent in yes. Belgium that he'll be going to, but 
That's a, a long career he's had at Celtic and a very successful one, Alex. Yeah, I think it's eight titles that he's managed to accrue over that time. Uh, I see him walking up and down to the school. His, his kid uh, goes to the, my, my kid's school as well. So I see him and uh, a few times I've wanted to give him a wee kick the way he's going <laughs> to kind of beat my, my whole team. But um, he can walk away with his head, head held high. He's been uh, very successful there and uh, it's a new chapter in his uh, career. I know Ghent very well. It's a brilliant setup, very well run club. And I think they're in the Europa League this year, so he's, he'll be competing in European football. It's a new chapter for him and his family. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two fans, one zero two five Celtic fans. If you've got anything that you'd like to share about Mikael Lustig's time at Celtic or anything else, you can give us a call. Barry, a Celtic fan in Barhead, has done that. Barry, what do you make of Mikael Lustig leaving the club? Um, how, how you doing, family? Anyway, Hi, Barry. Um, all good. Yeah. Um, first of all, um, I understand if you wanted to leave and get a new challenge, that's not a problem. Um, the problem for me being is Celtic left it again forever late to deal with us. I don't understand why we take so long to carry out transfer business. They have got, I've never been so frustrated in all my life as I've been now And when it comes to this transfer window. It is the biggest season by far. In the past two decades, since we stopped 10 in a row, Rangers winning 10 in a row. We've lost Gamboa, we've lost Lustig. Right now, we've only got Anthony Ralston at right back. We've lost Benkovic from loan. We've only really got two proper centre-backs, because I don't I don't think Jack Henry's good enough to play for Celtic. Um, the Tumble situation, I understand why the club didn't want to pay that money, that's fine. But at the same time, I don't think he's any better than what Celtic have got. I don't think he would have improved Celtic in any way, shape or form. I'd just love to know why it takes so long to get deals over there. Why, why haven't we identified our targets properly and went for them? Rangers seem to be more than ready for the season coming ahead and it just seems to be we're slopping behind and I don't understand our a kind of laziness in the transfer window. But Barry, is it a possibility that they've obviously recruited uh, Nicky Hammond? Yeah, you want to carry on with this because you've got all the, the details yeah there. yeah that was a story today that former West Brom technical director Nicky Hammond will be joining Celtic at the start of next month he'll be working the club they did announce that initially it is just over the summer period so it's a temporary post at the yes. moment whether that becomes a permanent post that remains to be seen but they've obviously been without a, a head of recruitment since Lee Congerton left yeah. he's joined up with Brendan Rodgers at Leicester so uh, Hammond is expected to sort of fill that void in, in terms of recruitment it's something he's done at West Brom it's yeah. something he's done uh, at Reading as well but you know that appointment Barry do you feel that that's something that might help speed things up in terms of transfers? Not particularly because if you're starting on the 1st of July they're still talking a week down the line uh, the, the, our European qualifiers kick off not soon after you're not going to have time to bed in players into the way that you know to build relationships in a, in a team um, but Barry, see, see, honest, see the thing is They will already be in discussions So his database will already be getting used His contacts will be getting used He may not well be starting uh, until the first But I would absolutely be flabbergasted If they have not had discussions of who's available What comes into the price range What comes into Celtic's model Because I think within some of the Celtic statement today They were saying that Nicky's familiar to us We know him well And you know So I, I think all the discussions would have been going on uh, when, when Congreton left and I think he says, let me help you through the summer and then we'll take it from there on in because for me, why would you take the information of a guy for, say, two months until the, August the window closes? 
and then he waltzes off because there's no uh, kind of responsibility about who he brings in. I think this is a temporary. They're having a look at him to see what he brings to the table, and then it may well be an ongoing thing. But uh, I, I agree with you, Barry. Some of the the stuff because they knew that Mikael Lustig. It, it, I think it was the end of February, maybe that they could have implemented his one year option. They didn't take that up, so they must have had it in their mind then. But don't forget, they had the issue where Neil Lennon uh, just came in the door as well, where you know when Brendan left. So there has been a lot, a lot of turmoil, but they they have to start making inroads. And I was I was kind of. I know Stephen O'Donnell has been very much on the radar for Celtic and, which is an interesting point, that there's two managers for England phoned me about Stephen O'Donnell to see what his availability was, gave him the information on that side of things and also, you know, the progress that he's done over the, 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 the previous year. Breaking in, he's an international now and he's actually starting to look really uh, decent but the problem that Kamalik have is he's going into the last year of his contract they don't want the same situation as the, the young boy Jones where they get no money for him. So there's a lot of things, but I know for a fact that he's very much on Celtic's radar. Barry, is Stephen O'Donnell someone you'd like to see fill that right-back spot? Absolutely. Um, I'm a big fan of the, the boy. I watched him at Parkhead. I thought he, I thought he had a fantastic game and uh, Celtic only won 1-0. He's unlucky not to get a penalty. Um, I thought he'd done really well, but again, I mean, why hasn't... I mean, if he's in the last year of his yep. contract, Kamarnock surely no. That he's going to be, you know, they're going to they're going to have to cash in now. I don't I'd imagine it'd be a, a huge amount of money to get his services. And again, it's just why is it taking so long? And this is what bugs me about some Celtic fans because they refuse to criticise the club. I know that we've won a treble, treble, and we have we've, we've done brilliant. But we need to build. It's no point in celebrating past glories. Now this is the present. We're going for nine in a row. We're going for ten in a row. We have to be strong. And just now, we're not strong, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, listen, I, th- I said at the, the tail end of the season, I, I think Celtic, I think I say it's eight bodies uh, minimum because you, as, as Barry said there, you need two right backs, two two right backs, you, you need a, a, a starter plus a a, a, a reserve taking a, a number two, as a gear he's gone, you need another centre half, there's four right away in that back line, uh, whether Craig Gordon stays potentially. Then in Sham, is he going to be here? Is he not? They clearly need another midfielder because hence the reason why they went through the whole tur- Turnbull debacle, which for me, even though Barry's saying that he might not be the finished article now, I think all this kind of publicly coming out with statements and, uh, you know, the, the boys hung on the whole thing, I don't think it keeps Celtic in good light because just deal with it behind closed doors. If he comes, great. If he doesn't, then you move on. But this kind of kind of out in public, I don't think it does anybody any favours. What do you think is good enough or not? And I think they should go about their business and, and quickly, like Barry suggests. Uh, fans like Barry are obviously going to be frustrated because fans want to see their clubs sign players. They want yeah. to see them do business quickly. But we do need to remember that it's the twentieth of June. They're still well over two months of the transfer window left, Alex. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think what Barry was touching upon there, though, but before too long, they're going to have to go into the qualifiers. Now, when you look at some of the teams that they're playing against, with the greatest respect to them, you know, they're no any great shakes. And I think that's pretty much the case for, for Rangers as well. You look at some of them, you wouldn't think they were that difficult opponents. So, uh, but you still have to make sure you get through them. And I think that's the key thing. I think there's an anxiety with, with fans when they don't get uh, a particular... Early, early one or two signings in, you know, and I think you know when you look over the course, and for me this is the most turbulent time in the last few years anyway, where Celtic are actually having to add more numbers than they normally do because they've usually got their players all tied down, and I, and I think the core are all tied down. When you look at there's a foundation there, when you look at all the key players, you know you've got McGregor, you've got Christie, you've got Rogic, 
You know, you've got um, Edward, you know, right through the team, they've got the uh, Ayers on a long contract, Tierney's on a long contract, so Ben's three years left, I think, as well. So you've got more or less the core through the team. Uh, it's just about adding these ad- added numbers where you can go into these uh, fixtures feeling confident. Final point to you, Barry. No, I, I can't agree um, with what you said. You, we have we have got a kind of spiny team there that has been signed, but as you well know, it's it's not the spiny team's good. But over the course of a season, you need a squad, um, yep. and this is this is where I think Rangers are building a squad right now. Um, it's just beggars' boys every time I pick up a newspaper. I'm hoping to see a name that was someone we're linked to or we're talking to, and it's just there's nothing there. But Wait and see As you say There's two months left Hopefully they get Their backside in gear <laughs> Well it just shows you Andrew You know You look at Barry on tonight The importance You know people There is that anxiety About getting people On board early doors They want to get it settled They want to hit the season uh, Running And uh, I can understand That that kind of uh, Outlook And uh, you know But I think the thing is As you said there There's two months and it's just a case of going through the process. Well, thank you to Barry in Barhead. 0141-951-1025 on the phone lines. We're talking Mikael Lustig. He's, he's leaving Celtic after seven and a half years. A, a free transfer, Alex. That is, I mean, talk about value for money. There was no money in terms of the initial deal, but what a career he's had for someone that was brought in from Rosenberg on a free. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as I said, he's been a stalwart. You know, he's been very consistent. He's. Uh, it, I have to be honest with you, I think the last year, 18 months, you've started to see a kind of regression in terms of his performance. And, uh, you know, and it's understandable why Celtic are now saying, right, OK, we've got the services out of them. He's, he's delivered in terms of trophies with the team. And uh, for, as you said, for nothing. They, they're the type of guys you actually want, you know, and they make a big contribution to the club. Playing week in week out And, and they, they bring qualities That you know you'd, you'd be happy to bring Because He was always winding people up He was in people's faces uh, And you know A lot of other fans Didn't like that But The fact is That he's won Eight titles Numerous cups as well It's, it's impressive You see that as well That uh, Scott Brown Was talking about Mikael Lustig the other day And he was saying That he sees him as almost Scottish Because he's adopted The, the culture that much That seems to be the case When a foreign player comes in Whether yeah. it's Celtic Whether it's Rangers And they you know they really get involved And they adopt the culture You obviously played with Nacho Novo at Rangers yeah. He seems like a similar type That they just become A cult hero at yeah. the club Well the, 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 there's plenty of uh, People who have actually done that Certain people have actually stayed You know Arthur Newman stayed For a few years after uh, his time was up at Rangers and, uh, you know, you, as you rightly said, uh, Lustig will come under that. The, the thing is with Rangers and Celtic that people have to uh, understand is that see, once you buy into that club, Dado Prusso was a prime example. He would have run through a brick wall for you, uh, the big man. And they just buy into the passion. You know, they know what it means to, to their particular team to actually get a result. And once you do that, you then become a cult hero because they can see the desire and they buy into it. The fans like it as well. And you can understand why people like uh, Mikael Lustig. Another story that came out today from the other side of the city, it was to do with Eros Gresda, yes. the Rangers winger. It was quotes from his agent today saying that he won't be joining Rangers on a pre-season training camp. It's an interesting one. The quotes are, uh, his agent said, he's still with Rangers, but at the moment, because he was with the national squad and there were some problems last week, he will not be in the squad. We've spoken to the club at the moment and he is still part of Rangers. Let's see what happens in the window. But the, at the moment, there is no news. Now, what happened with Albania was that he pulled out the squad or he was taking out the squad and the Albanian FA had said that it was to do with personal reasons he came out himself and said no I was injured so that was already a strange scenario and now his agent is coming out and saying that Rangers 
still see him as part of their plans but he's not going to Portugal it's it's an interesting scenario it seems to be a wee bit conflicting the whole thing Andrew because as you said the Albanian uh, thing may says it was personal he says it's injury so there's something not quite right with that one when you look at his, his stats for last year they're pretty poor I think he'd 17 appearances 7 starts within that and when you're shelling out the money that he is you're looking for him to make a bigger impact he scored a couple of goals I was at the game I think I was with yourself against Motherwell with a 7-1 no, game 7-1 yeah 7-1 yep and uh, you know so you know you've seen wee flits and starts and we didn't see nowhere near enough and for him to actually get anywhere never mind where he's in the squad he has to up his game considerably to even be considered to get in this team because we haven't seen it and admittedly he's had a few injuries but Steven Gerrard said towards the end of the season that he was assessing players he already knew who players were going to be cut loose and I would be surprised if Gresda has a long term future at Rangers because you look at the signings that Steven Gerrard's made Jordan Jones is yep. a wide player Jake Hasty is a wide player we know that Greg Stewart can operate in those wide areas yep. although he seemed to flourish better through the middle at Kilmarnock yeah. would that then put Eros Gresda even further down the pecking order but but the thing is this is the thing about the being a footballer Andrew you have the ability to change the manager's mind so you see these players that you mentioned Jones, Hasty, Stewart all decent additions they may well bring something more to the table Shea Ojo's joined as well Ojo's of just come in as well so you look at all these offensive options but the, I always welcomed that Seeing as a player when I was at Wolves uh, when I was 33 Paul Inskett brought in you think my god that's it time up uh, we were going into the English Premiership and you think lovely and then you you haven't and, and I actually didn't start the game I missed I missed the first two or three games because it was Colin Cameron and NCN but you have to just keep digging in and then from then on in it became me and Paul Ince who actually played all the games and actually one of my best seasons ever uh, in the Premiership so you have to embrace challenge but you have to step up and I think that as Gresda got that only time will tell 0141-951-1025 on the phone lines we'll be hearing from Kilmarnock's new manager after the travel with Ali Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors Compensation they know the score talk to thompsons.com Alex Ray in the studio with me Andrew McLean tonight on Clyde One Super Scoreboard we were talking just before the break about quotes from Eros Kresda's agent saying yes. that he won't be going on Rangers pre-season training camp we've got Thomas who's a Rangers fan from Sulcoats on the line Thomas what have you made of Eros Kresda as a signing? Uh, I'm not really too concerned about that thank you uh, for letting us on Andrew thanks Alec I can speak to Alec please Hi Thomas listen. Alec listen I don't mind I don't mind the first season Stevie's here getting all the loan signings in Yep. This is as in the second season and we're still getting loan signings in. I'm very, it's just, it's a, that's, is that all we're after now? We're supposed to get an investment. I heard two months ago we're getting £30 million investment. And now Celtic fans in Sockets are telling me we've lost a court case with Mike Ashley, which I don't believe. I don't believe because I've not read it. So have you heard anything, Alec, about that? Well, the, the court case, they haven't made uh, any uh, decision. The, the judge hasn't made that decision, so that's a bit unclear. But going back to your first point uh, there, Thomas, about term, the players that they've signed in terms of loans, I think so far they've signed Ojo from uh, from Liverpool. Uh, they have made permanent... On loan, Alex. On loan, no, no, no. no, no. If you look, bear with me, George, I'll tell you the ones that they've actually signed right. in a permanent deal. Um, okay. uh, so, sorry, yeah, Thomas. So, so it's uh, Hasty, Stuart... Jones are all signed in permanent deals and they're looking at the boy George Edmonston so they're the four 
who they've signed in permanent deals, Ojo's alone. But going back to your, your they've no cost any money. No, no, that's no, I'm concerned about. That's I'm going back to your, your point. Uh, I said at the tail end of the season. I, I said at the tail end of the season, the Rangers will be looking to bring three, maybe four, signings that will start for Rangers. Now, see if you're going to get players who are going to start. For me, that means serious mm-hmm. investment. Uh, so you're looking yeah, at a, 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 some some serious money and backing now. If I'm standing here at the start of the season And the guys that I mentioned John Stewart, Hasty, Ojo, Edmondson as well Or Stephen Davis that's obviously signed a permanent contract as well Yeah, uh, you've got Stephen Davis That was last year, Andrew Well, he, he, oh, signed, he signed on loan in, in January And then in the lead up to, to this season He's signed he's a permanent contract permanent, starting but, this summer But listen, I think, I think we're I di- digressing here that, 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 What I was going to say there was If Rangers do not sign Better quality players between now and the start of the season, then I think it'll be difficult for them because uh, they have to improve the quality in the team. And with the greatest respect to all these guys there, uh, I think one of the key things for me, Rangers last year, was the strength and depth. They didn't have enough bodies to come in and impact games and things. You were looking at the bench, and for me, they didn't have that. I think a lot of these guys will come in and they'll try and make their impact, whether they can break into the first team. Uh, and and loans are important as well, but. You have to bring in quality And they have to be there For a couple of years Because you can't keep Going to the well For loan deals Six, seven loan players Because next su- next summer Then you have the same problem Because you then have to Go and get more loan players And you need to build And so listen I, I'm, I'm still of the opinion That he will be financed And it's just about Identifying the right players And then getting the deal Over the line So listen I think everybody's A wee bit touchy They know they'll, they want All the signings in now uh, in an ideal scenario, Stephen Gerrard would want uh, the players oh, to come in to go to Portugal on Saturday. Oh, I think we've lost Thomas from Sulcots there. Uh, anyway, when we look at the sort of Rangers signings, where do Rangers need to strengthen, Alex? Well, I, th- I think it'll be fair to say that they're looking to try and strengthen the, the centre half area with, uh, um, you know, George Edmondson. So the, th- the good thing, they're trying to identify that area. Uh, I- I'm hopeful. That there's no bids for Tavernier. I think last year he kind of went kicked on. Um, in, in credit to him because when you look at his statistics, was was brilliant. Uh, and I said it was always from middle to front where I felt Rangers had to you know really kick on because last year there was games that they couldn't break down. And with the greatest respect to Livingston's away to Dundee, uh, and I think that's you're just trying for guys to open up the door. And and I think that's when it comes with uh, you know that little bit of money. Well, we'll have a look at a man now that has made a step into Scottish football for the first time. It's the new Kilmarnock boss, Angelo Alessio. And he says he believes that he can build on Steve Clark's legacy at the club. He signed a three-year deal. He was assistant to Antonio Conte at, at Chelsea, at Juventus, at, at Italy. We've we found out today that Massimo Donati is also yes. coming in as, as part of this coaching staff, which the two have worked together before, but it seems like a, a sort of natural agreement between the two because you know Massimo yes. Donati obviously... Well versed in Scottish football And obviously Italian as well Yeah absolutely uh, I was playing in a An old firm Charity match A couple of months ago And I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Donati uh, I found him a charming guy Very well spoken Very well educated Had a good understanding of the game And I think he will be brilliant Because he has been playing in Scotland He knows the landscape And I think he will help The new command manager greatly uh, and they'll just try and implement his style with the players uh, that Steve Clark had because I'm led to believe 
the majority are re-signed for next year. Uh, I think Jones was the only one that was actually leaving, so they're in a very good place. Well, he was speaking for the first time today and he says he's ready for the challenge. I wanted this uh, job because uh, I believe I can uh, start a new career uh, as manager in the right way. Mm, last season, uh, it was a great season, but in the I, I believe too, uh, uh, I, need, I need that the players at the squad, uh, they continue to, to work hard for, to, to stay on top of the league. Tim Clark did a great job, a great result here. For me, this is a, a big challenge. Uh, I'm ready for, uh, to continue this way Big shoes to fill Alex but he's he's certainly got a lot of experience it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out Yeah I think it's a very bold appointment you know he obviously doesn't know Scottish football but as I said Donati will will most certainly help him and uh, he speaks very good English which is always a bonus you know you you see some of these managers down and you know have interpreters to try (laughs) I think how does that ever work but you know because of the the information they put across is it works down there Um, but I think it's a brilliant appointment uh, I think it's been one of the most successful 18 months. The crowds are up uh, for Kamalnik as well. And they will be looking to kick on. It'll be interesting to see what style of play he plays because when you look at Steve Clark, he was very pra- pragmatic, very well organised. Uh, and they'll have to be that if they're going to try and emulate or even try and go again because, as I said, most of the players, obviously Chris Boyd's retired as well, now played a small part last year. And they'll be looking to try and bring in a, a few more players. How important are Alex Dyer and Massimo Donati going to be? Because... He's obviously, well, Billy Bowie was speaking today, he said that he was impressed by how much uh, Alessio had looked into Scottish football and how much research he'd done, but there's only so much research you can do, but Alex Dyer and Massimo Donati have been around Scottish football, they'll really be able to to lend a hand in terms of signing, style of play, coming up against teams. I think Angelo will most certainly lean on these two guys, and I think Alex Dyer is uh, the go-to guy, because I, I know Alex Dyer from his Charlton days, he's some great battles with him, and he's so well liked with the players, He's got a great temperament and he will most certainly be helping uh, the, the manager, Angelo, uh, along the way. And and he will be getting to know them over the coming weeks as well because, uh, you know, they've got the European exploits as well, haven't they? So, you know, it's, it's all we look forward. And as a commandant fan, fan, you must be delighted with the, the pedigree this guy brings. Yeah, they come up against Connors Key Nomad, the Welsh side in the first round of... Yeah, Europa League qualifying yeah. he might come up against Partizan Belgrade in the next round I'm sure he'll be looking forward to getting stuck right into European football so, as well I'm so so pleased that you put in that Welsh team there before <laughs> I even try to make an attempt to that but no uh, I think it's a good opportunity I would expect Kamalnik to progress through that and then they've got Partizan Belgrade which becomes a totally different challenge but again it gives you a chance to put your ideas against good quality teams Does it show how far Steve Clark has taken Kilmarnock that someone of of his stature and, and his experience is, is interested in a job like that Absolutely And uh, I think Billy Bowie Has to take a lot of credit as well He backed Steve Clark In terms of If he wanted the odd signing Malumbu and guys like that And I think that's actually been A blessing in disguise Because Billy Bowie's Actually changed that club around uh, So When the owners Got the the, the the intentions And it's great The fans are buying into that Kind of philosophy And the job that Steve Clark did We were on here At the tail end of the season Raven. He must be the manager of the year. He managed to get that and he's now the national manager. So 
whether uh, Angelo uh, can take them forward then be yet to be seen well thank you for all your calls and tweets tonight thank you Pleasure. to Alex Ray in the studio as well I'll be back tomorrow night with Gordon DL here up next is Ryan Borthwick <laughs>